Jamiaka. <laughs> Have you been to Jamiaka lately? <laughs> that would look so bad as a travel agent. Hey, that one time in Jamiaka. One time in Jamiaka. That's to be the title of our podcast. That's my favorite. That's my favorite city in Japan. Hey, this is Susan Green. Howdy, everybody. This is Coulter Fleming. And welcome to the Backstage Travel Podcast. Jamiaka. Look at the look at the bag. Jamashia. <laughs> one, one time in Jamashia. They'd get it. They'd be like. <laughs> oh my God, I'm such a dork. And I'm I fine, almost I'm shipped sorry. it. I almost shipped it. It's I'm quality right control, baby. I'm quality control. <laughs> well, I would know that if you called me. <laughs> Susan, uh, you'd literally you get five hours a week. That's one hour per day minimum. That's not enough. I don't get five hours a week. You lie. How long is the podcast recording? That's know, a good two. Yeah. But this, I'm making you billions someday. Someday. Still waiting okay. for that first check. So am I. I just, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, so am I. Okay. Um, before we introduce our guest, before we introduce our guest, I wanted to check in. This is going to be our last podcast of season one. This is crazy. Like we talked about this almost a year ago. Who knew? Look how far we've come. Look, Did we start so yet? Far. Yeah, we'll start. Now. Oh, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I'm distracted. Let me let me get a good cough out and let me do a okay. Mackenzie, there's gotta be some good stuff in this first 35 minutes. I know. But man, you're gonna have to cut the, about yeah. 30 of it out. Yeah. Jamaka. Jamaka um, baby. Jamaka me so baby. Jamaka I me love Jamachia. <laughs> um, this was a COVID project. A year ago, we started this and we're finishing yeah. up season one. Is that what is that what's going on? It is. It's crazy. We barely knew each other a year ago. And then we started doing the Zooms online, or I did, to get my clients interested in travel. And then I kind of joked about it. And then look at how far we've come. And then I look at like how much we have changed. So like from the very from changing our name to changing how we're doing it to talking about what season two is going to be like to putting an ad on it to all that kind of stuff. So do you remember in that first episode where all we talked was about was like basketball and crap like that, like. I think people listen to that first one and they're sort of like, what is this going to be about? We got a system. We got a flow. We started doing an outline. Yeah, we got uh, better every time. In all all seriousness, we couldn't do this out without Mackenzie Green. She is our producer, our our editor, our director, our engineer. My daughter. um, All the behind the scenes magic. (laughs) Um, You know, and I think I'm looking forward to, like we were talking about, you know, in in our future season to sort of solidify around certain topics and explore it more deeply. I think season one, what we really did was we interviewed a lot of great people that we've met in the travel business. Um, you know, I remember awesome episodes with project expedition, Tahiti tourism, um, you know, some of our, our various friends. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, sort of peripherally talking really about funny. travel. We're really funny. Yeah. You, I got you're mostly fun funny. I'm well, I'm like a dutiful co-host. <laughs> I, I'm the rain back in have, guy. That, yeah. Well, we found out that you have a huge problem with towels. I mean, God, where would we be? We w- I would have never known your fetish about towels. Do we know we like a, a like a listener count at this point? I'm sure Mackenzie can look that up. Eight million. You'd be surprised. No, you'd be surprised. Last We've, I checked, it was about five hundred. Yeah. Woo! We are. That's so not bad. Cool. Wow. Yeah. So, um, so we built a social media presence again, thanks to we Mackenzie. Did. We did. Um, 
I've gone through three microphones. Yep. I know. I mean, seriously, we've done a lot. You got to stop. And throwing I've them, never dude. left. You got to stop throwing them. Never left this fucking chair. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But in all seriousness, getting, getting to this episode, let, let's just get for everybody. What's going on in travel right now. How's your business? What's happening in the space? You know, we've gone yeah. from a situation where a year ago, no travel, not allowed to yeah. travel, cancel everything to yeah. in the last 60 to 90 days. And for whoever's listening to this in the future, we're in mid-May 2021 right now. In the last yeah. 60 to 90 days in travel, things have gone from zero, not just to 60, but to 360. Yeah. The demand is so high, but the capacity yeah. is so low. There are yeah. shortages of employees at various companies throughout the industry, shortages of flights. There's going to be a supply demand issue. Yeah. With cars, ticket prices for airfares are getting up to three X normal cost. So there is the pendulum is swing. So Susan, talk to us about that real quick here. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, I would say that we still have two types of customers. So we still have the, get me the hell out of here and I'm not going anywhere, you know? So we still have I still have those. I still try to find to get me the hell out of here, people. Somebody, um, it's easier. It's easier to book, is what you're saying. Yeah, so it's easier. So people want to go, and more places are open. And are, are they still, doing that upon vaccination, or people don't care still? No, the only people that uh, the only thing with vaccination that comes up are my Tahiti people, which I sell a lot of. That's the complicated country, right now. It's very complicated. I happen to be going there this week, which is fun. But it is definitely the only one that has a mandatory vaccine that's that technically is open. Europe's going to be there. Um, Cruising is going to be there, but we're not quite there yet. I think the hardest part with travel, I mean, the cool thing is, is that the last two months have been the biggest months of my career. Um, In terms of bookings? mm -hmm, The largest numbers I've had on my own at, even though I own my own agency of my own, I've not booked this much ever in a month. And it's, if we know we're talking about this, it's a good even mix of individual groups. We refer to that in the business as FIT and individual travelers and also future groups. Correct. So it's a mix of now travel, got to go honeymoon, delayed vacation, and also future destination weddings and stuff like that. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of fun that we have that because I love my FIT people. I love people that want to go on a trip like next week or the summer or whatever. And it's my bread and butter. Um, and then the, the groups are actually booking farther out, which is unusual. Like I'm not used to booking December of 22 right now for a wedding, but people are booking that far out. So, so they've been really good months. I think the, the only hard thing right now is the every trip takes longer. So normally it's, Hey, you want to go to Hawaii? Great. Let's go book your trip. We'll send this. Let's talk about activities, whether we have one conversation, maybe two, and then it's email, but now it's, well, what about this? Well, has the new policy gotten in if I'm vaccinated? Well, what does it look like when you go to the airport and every trip's that way? So every trip is taking four to five times longer, more emails, more text messages, mm, more time on the phone, irritation. And then people with, with your customers. Well, I, I don't want to say I'm irritated, but they are frustrated with some of those They're frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. So they're frustrated with either, why is Hawaii so expensive? And sometimes, you know, I don't know how to answer that. I'm like, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, why? Supply and demand. Yeah. I mean, I go, it is what it is. Everyone's going there that doesn't want to have to do a COVID test to come back into the United States. Um, or, you know, why is France requiring this? And I was like, I hope. For Tahiti? Yeah. And I kind of go, well, you know, I'll get the you know, the 
president of France on my speed dial. Like, you know, I'm like, or like, I don't own the country. I try to lighten it up a little bit, but, um, you know, if you're not ready to do that and you're not ready to travel or not ready to deal with that, um, then don't go. You know, I had someone yesterday that's like, well, how do I, she was really frustrated. She's like, how do I plan for a vacation when we don't know? And I said, that must be very difficult. That's all I can say. Do you still see the majority of your business being Mexico or like where, where, Um, what are people asking for right now? You know, Mexico is always our bread and butter for people here in Phoenix because it's a nonstop and Southwest just opened but they open nonstop to go to Mexico. Love me so, some Southwest, baby. No, I hate Southwest, but I'm good for them. I don't book it. So have fun with it. Have at it. Go sit next to someone you don't know and shove into a 730. That's what I love about it. So awesome. humble. They, they used they used to just serve cases of freaking Lone Star beer and Dr. Pepper oh, when you get so on. It's the best airline, just the best. Yeah, I can't stand Southwest, but I don't want to sit on a 737. So, um, and I'm high up with Americans, so I get it. I want my seats and stuff like that. But Um, We do sell a lot of Mexico um, and I'm selling a lot of Hawaii right now and we're selling a lot of Tahiti. I mean, I probably get eight to 10 requests for Tahiti a week. So the people that want to go, want to go. And that's, again, that's what's good. Now the people that want to go and I tell them the first question we ask them is, are you vaccinated? No. And then I go, okay, well, that's a requirement. Well, will it be the requirement in August? (laughs) Might be right. Right now it's 30 days, right? Uh, It might be the requirement for the rest of your life. I mean, like, if you want to travel anywhere, we're getting to a place where I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. You don't know. Yeah. So, you know, so all I can tell you is today and act like today is the day before you go on your vacation. So assuming that it's the same, let's plan accordingly. Um, but I don't take on people that are, I mean, I listen, but I don't want to book for people. And, you know, we can offer them cancel for any reason insurance. We always try to do that. Hey, get options. You know, if you're going to go spend $10,000, hey, a couple hundred bucks have an option, but I just had two people cancel a trip to Europe this summer. It is open for Greece. They're like, look, we don't want to go. We don't know if things are going to be open. And I was like, I try to show them some stability. doesn't matter. People are uncomfortable with that. And other people are like, awesome. I can't wait to go. No one's there. It'll be great. It'll all be about me. And I'm like, so I think the biggest, biggest misnomer right now that we deal with is there's got to be some great deals, right? They lost a lot of money. They, they want us to travel. And I'm like, this is not the time to book a huge deal, maybe for Tahiti, but most places are only going up in price. So everything's going up and up and up, or you can't afford to get there because airfare, like right now, Phoenix to Cancun nonstop, 900 bucks for coach. Which is probably triple yeah, it's six months ago. Yeah. So, you know, telling people that, and then they think, oh, well, I'll figure that out on myself. And I'm like, awesome. Have fun with that. Yeah. So I'm grateful. It's been fun. Um, I, you know, I, I, I've said this before, Dan and I had to make a decision about a year ago, about this time, about the beginning of May was when I started my Zooms was, do I keep doing what I'm doing? And he's like, what else are you going to do? And I was like, I really love my job. I love what I do. I love traveling. I love meeting people. I love this world. And I want to, I want to see more of it. So I was like, so to have people get excited about it and to get people excited about travel is still fun. So I'm excited about that. I think that's going to be um, really good. And I think in six months when it starts becoming a little bit more normal, it'll, we'll see it's been interesting, but it's part of like this podcast. Like, I think it's just fun meeting people that are not like me. You know, I, I you know, I, I like meeting people that aren't like me. I don't need the whole world full of people who are sarcastic and make fun of Coulter. <laughs> who don't shower and don't use enough towels and leave. I took, I, I worked out over lunch. I, I took a shower this morning, went to the car wash 
worked, had a bunch of meetings, worked out. So you're took another shower. shower. Yeah. That, so that's shower number two. Then after this, I'm going to do a pre-dinner shower. So that'll be number three. And I might take one when I come home tonight, if I go for a walk after dinner. So that'd be four, which is typical for me. You know, it's hard to believe, but I don't think I've showered since Tuesday. I don't even know that. <laughs> Um, should we bring on, should we bring on our guest? I don't, I don't you want should. him you get just waiting yeah. anymore. He's like, so, oh my God. Yes. So our, um, our guest today, we are so lucky to have my friend, not just my colleague. I say that a lot, you know, cause we actually started our own podcast that, uh, came out today. Um, uh, which, which has just been a fun project for us as well. But I met Joseph. I'm sorry. Wait, what? Um, yeah. You guys have a podcast? I'll let him talk about it. Um, <laughs> what? See, see, I'm totally dissed. I should be in the inner sanctum circle. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So Joseph and I uh, have worked together for a little over a year. And it's funny because Joseph started with our company basically the week that things started to shut down. It was somewhere around the 12th or 15th, something like oh that God. of March. What a shitty day yeah. to start I mean, travel. I remember... Um, you know, and they're good luck charm. Yeah, it, it's been great. We've we've zoom we zoom every day. Uh, it's been super fun. We've actually met a few times. You know, gone out to dinner um, and stuff like that. And uh, we've just become pretty close throughout this uh, last year. And so I'm excited to get to know Joseph more. Uh, he's going to tell us about his career. He's had tons of experiences in yeah. the travel industry. Even um, though in he particular, looks about twenty, he looks about twenty. Um, you know, he's, he's forever youthful, spent a lot of time in the cruise business. Um, so, uh, Joseph, welcome to the show, my friend. Yes. Thank you, Coulter. Thank you, Susan. And Joseph is, yes, Joseph is my, uh, surrogate Coulter when you're out of town to chat with. He cheats on me. He does. I do. I cheat on you with him. And we talk about television shows because see, uh, he can watch trashy shows where you've got a wife that is like, oh, I want to watch good, fun, wholesome shows. And I'm like, what have you watched? And so, you know, Susan has given me some very good uh, suggestions (laughs) with shows. Yeah, I know. Well, there's got, you know, it's, I love those really, I love those really fun catastrophe. Oh, that's my so favorite good. in that oh, I, I discovered catastrophe because of you. And now I've like shared it with my parents and my sister. So good. It's so funny. It's so well-written. It's such a well-written show. And they're, yeah, they're, I just, I was just showing it to my, one of my friends and I was like, did we just watch the preview? And I was like, Oh, I forget just their comments and how good they are and their sarcasm. It's so good. It's such a good show. Yeah. Who's in uh, it? What, 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 what's it on? Is it on a Hulu? I think Amazon. it's on prime, right? Okay. Yeah. It's an American guy and a British girl and they have a one night stand and that's all you need to know. And hilarity and ensues. Yes. And it's just really, really well written. I think it's got like three or four seasons. So it's not even like done right away, which is even better. I've watched all four seasons twice now because I liked <laughs> it so much. <laughs> I'm so there with you. I'm like, it oh, just makes me okay. laugh. I know. Fleabag I've watched twice too. That's one of my other favorites. Yeah. So if you like, there's like, like, like catastrophe and vice versa. I know. We're watching so Cruel Summer, which is actually really sucks you in. And that's on Hulu. That's our latest thing. Maybe I'll start that this weekend. I mean, it sounds, isn't that a song by the Banana Rama or whatever? It is. Yeah. yeah. Cruel, cruel Summer. I love well, that the whole show takes place in like 93, 94, and 95 during the month of July. And it keeps going back and forth between those three years. So there's a lot of old songs. So that could be 
part right of it. when I got married. You guys were like, what, two? <laughs> what, in the, in the mid-90s, I was in high school. Whatever, uh, there's mid-90s, no Mid-90s, middle school, or, uh, elementary middle school. I got married in 1993. I was newly married, probably fighting third with grade. my husband. <laughs> so your mom was like, you're not listening to this song. No way. <laughs> Bananarama, man, they had awesome hair. I wanted to have hair like theirs, but I knew that I could Me never, too. ever. Yes, I was like, I'll never, I barely comb my hair. That would never work. Okay, so we love your job now, but I want to find out how did you, so when I read your bio, you said, uh-huh. and you said that you got an internship with travel. And how did that start? So when I was, I was such a, I was such a strange little kid. I was like, never as one of those children who was like never <clears throat> into children things. Like I remember very vividly being like, I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up outside Detroit in Michigan. And we used to go every summer to this uh, amusement park in Ohio called C- uh, Cedar Point, which has like oh, a yeah. bunch of, it's like six flags or, you know, any of those places with a bunch of roller coasters, but I was like, never they into have the beast. Parks. They have the beast maybe yeah I I don't know because I would sit on a park bench and read travel books and well and my mom and my sister and our friends who we were with would go on all the roller coasters I remember like very vividly being there and I had a Lonely Planet Tahiti book that was like my favorite book and I would just like read about like Bora Bora and so anyway so that was me as a child and you know by the time I was in high school I you know was already kind of thinking about making that into my career and um my guidance counselor that I was talking to was saying, well, you know, we have like an internship program. So if you find like a travel agency in the area who wants you to work there for a couple hours after school every day, you know, we could set that up and you can earn credit for it and blah, blah, blah. And so I ended up doing that. I I started being just like an intern at a travel agency in West Bloomfield, Michigan. Um, Are they still around? uh, As Gemini travel, as far as I know. Um, But yeah, that's a nice, that's a nice part of Detroit. So it could be. Yeah, and that was back, like, probably, like, I, I would drive there, so I was at least 16, so it must have been, like, 97 or something, 1997. Did you, do like, deliver tickets and stuff? I used to do, like, I used to do a lot of research for them, um, you know, what wow. was that old book that, remember that old book they had, was it the OAG guide or whatever, do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, 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 like, yeah. yeah. They, they would be like, okay, I need some, you know, right. Give me some information about hotels, like in Naples or, you know, here or right. there. And I would like get, I would call, or sometimes I'd call the cruise lines and like wait on hold until they, you know, and get like a quote for something. And that's what my know, daughter I, does right now. <laughs> I thought it was so exciting. I, it was like, so I, I thought it was like the coolest so thing fun. in the world. And it was fun too, because it was like, you know, mostly some women, probably like middle-aged women, which was like, you know, as a teenager, that was like all I wanted to hang out with was middle-aged women because I was like an adult child, and I got to like That's hang awesome. out in the break round and like talk talk about like adult stuff with them, and I thought it was just like so much fun because That's they like so talked fun. about the stuff I wanted to talk about, but people my age didn't care about. That's awesome. That's so yeah. cool. So when you went to school, where'd you go to college? I went to Johnson Wales University in Providence, Rhode Island, and they, they're like a very big hospitality school. A lot of people know them because oh. they're really well known for their culinary program. So they have gotcha. two campuses in Providence. They have like a, a culinary campus and then the business school. Um, I went to the business school, but they're, they do a lot of hospitality business degrees. So, so I you went into traveling. hospitality? Yeah, yeah, I studied traveling tourism management. That's amazing. And what were you thinking while you were in school? Like, what were you thinking you wanted to do? Um. You, 
in college, one of the cool things about the, one of the reasons I chose Johnson Wales is because it was there, they did what they called like an upside down curriculum where you started um, in classes that were geared around your major during your, like right away from your freshman year. It wasn't like oh. you took all your general stuff and then yeah. started taking, yeah. you know, what was um, applied to your That's major. So smart, actually, and, and also for me, like I'm a little ADD, so I needed to have like stuff I was interested in to like get right. through to it. Stay to stay focused to stay focused, to be engaged. Um, And so we had like internships that we did starting freshman year. So I worked at like the airport. I worked at the convention and visitors bureau. What else did I do? There was actually two convention and visitors bureaus that I worked for. Um, So I always thought that I'd probably go into like working for a CVB or, or, or I always was very in love with cruising. So I thought maybe I would be like a, you know, a BDM for a cruise line um, or work somewhere in corporate for a cruise line. Um, had you ever then, done cruising before college? Uh, I did one cruise with my parents. Like I had been begging my parents since I was a child to go on a cruise and I would get all the brochure. I would, here's another like side note. I, I had bad allergies and I'd go get allergy shots when I was a kid every week. And I still, I and now too. I'm doing it again as an adult. But there was a travel agency right next to my allergist. And when you get an allergy shot, you have to wait there for 30 minutes to make sure you don't have like an allergic reaction. So I would get my shot and then I'd walk over to the travel agency and I'd peruse their brochures. They probably hated me. I mean, I was like this eight-year-old who was taking all their brochures. Well, they are are free, but yes. Yeah. That's so funny. I would would come back with like a stack, like Royal Caribbean, Norwegian, Carnival, and I would just like flip through and I'd like show my parents and be like, we should take this ship on this itinerary. Eventually when I was 15, they they took us on our first Carnival cruise and uh, on the sensation... And we did, I know, I know. Hey, I was a kid from the <laughs> Michigan in the 90s. I thought it was very That's cool. very true. It's like, <laughs> happy Lee Gifford, baby. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. and we just, you know, we were teenagers and we, me and my sister, you like, yeah. we had so much fun. There was like a ton of other kids our age and we just like yep. had the best time. And so, yeah. So then I was like, oh my God, I want to go on every cruise on every cruise line and yeah. And yeah, yeah, so I kind of fell in love with cruising like a lot of people do after their first cruise. Yeah. Yeah. That's so fun. That's awesome. It's amazing. So That's eventually amazing. you did start working for a cruise company. I see here, you know, looking at your resume, you eventually found your way working to Crystal Cruises. Um, so what'd you do there? So after college, um, you know, I had, I, again, I think like bad timing is a recurring subject in my life. Uh so, you know, of course we just talked about, I started with classic, like on March 16th, literally is like the state of California was shutting down because of COVID. I graduated right after September 11th. So there was uh, like no jobs in travel. Um, and I really wanted to move to LA just because I loved, I always loved LA. I'd been out there a couple of times during college and it just felt like home. And I was just like, this is where I want to live. Um, so I was trying to be all responsible and like, have a job lined up and have everything all perfect. I was going to move out there. You know, that was like the vision I had in my head, but then of course life never works out that way. Um, So I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to go. I'm just going to move there and I'm just going to get any job I can just to pay the bills. And then when the industry picks up again, then I'll get a job in the industry, you know? Um, So I I worked at Bloomingdale's for a couple months um, while I was, you know, applying to different travel companies and eventually I think maybe like nine months later, I ended up getting a job at Crystal Cruises. Um, 
what was my title? It was inside sales. I was a, I guess just like account executive, I think is what they called it. Um, but I was just basically like an inside salesperson. I assisted the um, BDMs who were out in the field, um, which is kind of fun because some of the BDMs that I assisted, I still bump into now when I go, oh. or before COVID, when I would go to events and stuff, right. I would see the people that I used to be their like assistants. Um, uh, and, and how would you, you just, how would you describe if someone doesn't know what Crystal Cruise is compared to another, because that's a very unique line, right? So yeah. what would you say as a Crystal Cruise line, how would you describe that? It, like the, maybe like the demographic of the people that go on that, what kind of cruise it is? Yeah. I mean, Crystal is recognized as being kind of the premier or one of maybe the two, I would say Regent and Crystal are probably considered, depending on your taste, the two kind yeah. of highest echelon premier uh, cruise lines in the world. Um, you know, they certainly win all the awards, world's best and everything for luxury cruising. Yeah. Um, you know, really high staff to guest ratios, um, you know, incredible cuisine, really beautiful accommodations, you know, really cool itineraries. That was one of the things I loved about them too, is that they, you know, with smaller luxury ships, they go to some of the ports that the big ships don't go to. They were just a fantastic company and I really loved working there. And you know, I always joke with people, you know, people would say, well, why do you, why did you choose that company or this or that? And my whole thought with being in the travel industry is like, okay, you know, one of the things we love about being in travel is you get to travel, you get nice perks with the company you work for. So my, my thought was always work for the nicest one, you know, like I want to work for the best because that's what I want to go on when I go for vacation, or that's what I want to be able to send my parents on. So, right. you know, if I'm going to be working for a cruise line, I want to work for the absolute best cruise line. Smart. So move. I get to go on it when I get to, when I get exactly. to go on vacation. That's why Coulter yeah. has me on his team. He only has the best. Yeah. So I've, right, I've always, <laughs> I've always stuck to luxury. You know, it's interesting though, the luxury, <laughs> the luxury world has fewer agents and fewer people that sell it. Not that they don't sell. I know, and I know the ships are smaller and stuff like that, but there's less people. Like when I look at that for weddings, there's less travel agents that sell luxury for weddings. There's a ton of them that sell middle and below tons, Mm. but there's not a lot that sell the higher end. So I do. I think that when you learn, you learn a product, you learn it really well. Uh, Denise, who now works with TD Tourism, she would, she met her husband and they both worked on it. I don't know if you know her. I can't pronounce her last name. They worked on board. They worked on board for years. Yeah. I'll have to introduce you guys. She lives lives near you. Now here's the big question. How many towels do you use when you take a shower? Like, Per shower? Yes. Um, Just one. (laughs) He uses two and he doesn't reuse them. I'm like that with my face. So like when I wash my face at night, I will only use that towel on my face and then it's gone. But um, my shower towel, I try to use like maybe two or three times. I I try really hard to be green, but I'm a little bit like- Oh um, no, no, no. Coulter, give a shit about the environment. Coulter cares about himself. <laughs> he uses two <laughs> towels three times a day. That's six towels in one fucking day. Wow, that's a lot. And he's not a girl. He doesn't have any hair. See, wow, I gonna... am an environmentalist. I don't shower a lot, and I'm an environmentalist. Look oh, at what I, I am for the earth. Totally. Totally. <laughs> Did you go on many crystal cruises during your time working there? Yes. I went on two. I did. Okay, so uh, they were both amazing. Geez. I can't remember which order they happened in, but one of them at the holiday party, they did like a bunch of raffle prizes. And I was like the new kid on the block. I I had just been there long enough to like win a prize because they had like some minimum, I think for that. And 
I had been dying to go to South America for the longest time. I really wanted to go to Rio and Buenos Aires. And um, I won specifically first class tickets to, for it was American Airlines, two first class tickets only to South America. So there was no place else I could use them. So it was like perfect. So I timed, I flew down to Rio with my best friend, um, spent a couple of days in Rio. And then I timed it so that one of our ships, the Crystal Symphony was in port. And then we sailed on the Crystal Symphony down to Buenos Aires. Um, so yeah, we sailed down to Buenos Aires and um, spent a couple of days there and then flew home. It was like, it was so nice. You know, we were like in our twenties and we were like flying first class international crystal cruises. We stayed at like some, we stayed at the Fiena in um, Buenos Aires, which is an incredible hotel. I like wrote them like a letter. I was like, hi, I work for Crystal Cruises and I have an IATA card. Can I, do you guys have any industry rates? And that hotel had just opened. That hotel had, okay, if, for, for those of you who don't know the, the Fiena in Buenos Aires, it's like this really cool boutique hotel. It was designed by Philippe Stark. It was a, like an old mill from the UK that they disassembled and rebuilt in Buenos Aires. And it had just opened and it was like insane. And I just remember that we would lay by the pool and there'd be like a DJ and these people from their spa would come around and give you foot massages with La Prairie lotion from Switzerland. And I was just like, this is like, it was like- I want that. I need- It this sounds like guys- the fanciest trip ever. I was like living. I was, this was like everything like childhood me had ever fantasized about was like this trip. And so, yeah, so that was amazing. And then the other crystal cruise I took was um, to the Mediterranean and I took my whole family, my sister and my parents. And we did um, Rome, wow. uh, Rome to Venice, you know, South of France, Italy, Croatia, and then ending in Venice. So that was like- That's awesome. Incredible, yeah. yeah. I want, um, I want to win a prize. I want to win. I know. I don't, I don't, I didn't, didn't you just win like a couple prizes? I did, but I Aren't didn't you going win them from Tahiti? you. What about okay. Africa? I'm going to both. Okay. And but you I, didn't win, I didn't win it from you. That's what <laughs> wow. I'm saying. I don't get a plaque. How many free trips are you taking this year? Okay. I like earn, four as, as I earn them. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Back to Joseph. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, Tahiti, my Tahiti, my Tahiti trip, I earned by being the top, number one improved seller. My Kenya trip was a drawing, I will say that. Um, and then my other trips, I earned by booking. So, as I tell my other haters in the world, we all choose our career. I promise yeah. you, you probably wouldn't have chosen my career last year. Haters gonna hate. Haters gonna hate, 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 hate. I'm not a singer. I would like to be. You know, when I die, I'm gonna get in heaven and I'm gonna be able to do uh, flip-flops like Mary Lou Retton and sing. Those are my two things. Those are the two (laughs) things I can't do at all that I really wanna do. Maybe I'll be able to shower better and do my hair. But is there like, do you have a a thing, Coulter, that that you're like, if I could, like I always wish I could, but I just can't, like you wanna play the guitar or something like that? Like, is there something out there that like, it's a hobby? Or well, like, like I cannot sing. I can play a lot of instruments. I played piano for 13 years. I can play guitar. I can play almost any instrument I pick up. I have a musical ear and I have a awful singing voice. So, you know, it's not really going to happen, but I'd love to sing. I, I, I really like to sing. I really wish I could sing. Like it would be like a passion of mine. Like I would love to be able to like, you know, be a singer. I'd love to be a stand-up comic. I'd never I you could do that, that now. Right. Well, Cause I think, you know what I think? I think I should go find something where I can be criticized more. 
Wait, Susan, I'm such a dingbat that when you said, I want to, I want to do flip-flops like Mary Lou Rett, and I thought you were talking about like sandals. And I was like, I'm like, couldn't you have just been wearing sandals for the past year when you're working from home? Like, I could tell you that you can't wear sandals. Yeah, I know. I'm in bare feet. Where are your flip-flops? Let's see. Bare feet. Uh, They're clean, by the way. They're very clean. There's nothing that you want to do, Coulter, that you're like, oh, you're totally contented with what you've done. You don't have a secret, secret dream somewhere way deep down inside that heart of yours. Come back to me, Joseph. Do you have one? Like a dream in the sense of like a talent that I wish I had. Um, it's something you wish you could do that you are like, you know, if like, okay, you guys are a lot younger than me. Well, I guess you're in your forties and I look back and I go, so I wanted to be a DJ, hence I have a podcast, which I want to hear about yours that I didn't get told about by, you know, his number one. Um, <laughs> so let's just go there. <laughs> um, but like, you know, I look back and I go, I really wish I could have been a gymnast. I was not coordinated that way. I played tennis for 20 years and I really wish I could sing. You never think about those things? You know, I feel like I always, I feel like that's one of those things I always say like, oh, wow. Like when you see someone do something and you're like, oh, I wish I could do that. But now I'm like drawing a blank of like, what's, what was an example of a time that I said, I wish I could do that. I think one is like people who are like incredible dancers. I used to be like a somewhat good dancer when I was younger, but I feel like I completely lost it. Like I just, I don't know if I don't see that. I don't know if it's just that like I'm old and tired now or I just don't have like that confidence that you have when you're like in your 20s, but I just can't do I it can't like do I it. used to. And I, I and I still see people who are so good at it regardless of their age. And I'm like, I wish I had stuck with that a little bit more because it's one of those things I feel like you lose. And Would you go out right now and go to like a club and go dancing with your boyfriend? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll dance. I. As random as this is, is, I really only like to dance to hip hop. Like I really like hip hop, R&B, rap. Um, that is like, I like, I have like a super, super broad, yeah, like interest in music. Like I really yeah. like everything from like classic to, yeah. to like yeah. hip hop. But as far as like what I like to dance to, it's pretty narrow. I really like to dance to hip hop. Because I like to like, I like that rap lyrics have like, it's like a story and I like acting out the story and rapping as I'm dancing. I actually did. Oh. I, I did that when I was drunk the other weekend, truth be told. Nice. <laughs> awesome. The only rap song I can even think that I have on my iPod would be Gold Digger. And that's what, like 15 years old, 10 years old. It's still, it's know. like oldie, but a goodie. Yes. My son absolutely loves him. So, you know, I'm like, okay, Kanye. Um, I, wish, I wish I knew how to golf. There you go. I mean, it's not Wait. like there's plenty of other talents that I wish that I had had back at a pivotal time. Like, you know, throwing a baseball a certain mile an hour, throwing a football, you know, certain distance, stuff like that. But like nowadays, like that's just not how I grew up. A lot of my friends, you know, grew up playing and they played on the high school team. Some played in college and they golf at least once a week. Some, some do it for business two or three times a week. And, you know, my family was just too blue collar for that. That was like never something we did. My dad didn't really play like, I think the first time I ever even got out there was with my uncle, but it's never, I've never really been that interested in it, but I get, I could go out and I never do. Like I gave away the clubs I had. And now I think I wish that I had time or cared to learn something like that, like a hobby like that. There you go. So you work for Crystal Cruises. Now, when I looked at your resume, you said then you went into full ship charter with the LGBTQ community. Is that what you went to right afterwards? Yeah. So after Crystal, I went to a company called Atlantis Events and they're, 
I mean, basically the largest uh, LGBTQ uh, travel company in the world. And they've been around, geez, over 25 years now. Maybe it's even 30 at this point. But they, they do all charters, right? Yeah. So, the, yeah, they, they will charter with like Royal Caribbean, Celebrity, um, Oceana, Seaborn, Holland, NCL, pretty much everybody. And they do, they take over the entire ship. And the reason they're called Atlantis Events is it's really they're basically throwing an event on the ship. So they bring on their own entertainment and nice. it's in like have these like crazy parties and DJs and they bring on their own like lasers and like lighting systems. And w- there are so many times where I would like be on a ship in the middle of the ocean at nighttime. You're just out in the ocean. It's just all yeah. darkness around you. And then you're just like, you look down at the pool deck and it's like, you're at a club in like awesome. Buenos Aires or Barcelona. And it's just I think like, my brother won on them. It's uh, my, yeah, I think my brother's gone on a couple of them. Um, he's out, out of New York on NCL and stuff. And he said they were a blast. Yeah. So, they're, cra- they're crazy. Yeah. What'd you so do I, for them? So I was in sales. Like the thing that's really remarkable about them is they, I can't remember like their, I want to say their client database. Like we had was like over a hundred thousand people, I think. And they'll do charters on the biggest ships in the world with Royal Caribbean with like, you know, 5,000, 6,000 people. But there was only like 13 of us that ran the entire company in the office. So we were all very busy. And when you work for a small company like that, you kind of do everything. You know, it's it's nothing like it's nothing like working for Crystal or Uniworld or Classic where, you know, you have different departments and, you know, everyone has their roles. You do everything. I was like doing phone sales. I was managing inventory. I was auditing the the manifest. I was like everything like handling accounting, like, you know, following up with people who had payments that didn't go through, like you just do everything when you work for a small company, which is good because it gives you like such broad experience. You feel feel like you can like handle anything, you know, you're, you're dealing, there's no customer service department. You're dealing with everything, you know? Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. You sound like, you sound like my job. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's it's kind of, yeah, yeah, it is. It's kind of like being a travel agent. You're just, you're doing the full the full yeah. spectrum of everything involved in someone going on a trip. Um, so yeah, so that was like great. And, and who did you, you know, guys, did you just market to the people that would sign up? Because I've been asked before, like I remember my brother once at the time was like, Hey, can you book this for me? I'm like, no, they work at their charter. I can't make any money on it. Um, but I was glad he went, but I was like, yeah. but there's a lot of other companies that do it, but he was just, he wanted to go on the LGBTQ one. And I was like, okay. Um, but there's a lot of companies that go in there. Do you, when you go charter the boat, do you guys keep the staff from that cruise line? Yes. Yeah. So the, the you know, it's like, let's say we charter a ship with, um, with Royal Caribbean, the, all the Royal Caribbean staff is still there like always, but then they would bring their own kind of team on board. So it would be some people from the office, like myself and my colleagues, or we could like suggest friends or family that we think would be fun. And then you're basically like camp counselors that are kind of there to like, host like the singles dinner or like get the, you know, help set up for the party or this or that. So you kind of have like, depending on the size of the ship, you know, a, a team of maybe 15 to 25 people, you know, that are there introducing the entertainers on the stage every night. And basically gotcha. like everything that a camp counselor does, the, the tricky part about it for me is like, since I worked for the corporate office, I would always have to do some of the like more boring stuff, like working at the front desk, you know, for gotcha. a couple hours a day and taking care of things. So like, sometimes I'd literally have to be like, 
at like a toga party, like dancing and like covered in glitter. <laughs> and then like, and then like have to go work at the front desk. <laughs> like, Be like, hi, how can I like, help you? You lost your yeah, cell phone. Yeah, yeah. So it was like a lot of switching gears very quickly from like, you know, dancing on top of a table to like, okay, let me find you a different stateroom. <laughs> what is the, what now I know you're going from Crystal and then you go into the LGBTQ world, but when you look at a charter, I was thinking more of that, like with a charter, is there different rules that apply? Like I'm thinking like, okay, if we go private, like we did a private yacht once, I know. Mm-hmm but we went on a private yacht. So you get a lot more flexibility of what you're going to be like on this thing that can hold 10 people than if I went on with you guys and you were paying customers and I was paying customer and we were sharing it. Are there different rules when you deal with this charter? I'm like, okay, uh, we have to watch how much people drink or watch how people behave or anything like that. Or, Or is the cruise line still responsible for all that? As far as I know, the cruise line's still responsible for that. You know, what happens on the ship is they still have their security department and everything that's kind of doing their same duties that they would on any other on any other week of the year. Because um, my brother said some of those were kind of crazy. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, they, <laughs> he's they like, crazy. these and, are very different, Susan. I was like, they sound fun. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the company would always really like put that in our literature and stuff. Like, you know, please be cognizant of the fact that, you know, this is still like a ship that belongs to Royal Caribbean and they, we still have to follow their rules as far as like safety yeah. and protocols and everything like that. Yeah. So they would yeah. always make sure that the, the guests understood that, but yeah, I mean, it's a party. I mean, like yeah. it's, it's rowdy, it's loud, it's crazy. And, and, you know, the cruise lines were really great about like tailoring everything, you know, they would change the hours of the restaurants to stay open later. So like people could oh, like good. stay up late dancing and then the buffet would be open at 4am and you could eat like a pound of French fries and then go to bed and uh, to be or, young. Or, or not because you want to be skinny and, and everyone there has abs and it's really high pressure. <laughs> oh, I bet there were some really hot guys on that boat. It's, it's stressful. Oh my gosh. I, no joke. I, I would take like just a protein canister with me and like half my meals would just be like me shaking a shake in my stateroom because I'm oh like, oh, my every, God. <laughs> every, everyone here is so fit. You know, it's just like so much pressure. So funny. I have, I have to like a little salad and some water. That's yeah. it. Yeah. That's so funny. I bet. I mean, there's, you know, I bet there's some really, I mean, you got to realize too, if you're going on an LGBTQ cruise and you want to meet someone, even if you're going on a single cruise, it's not like, you know, me going on a cruise with my husband where it's like, you're stuck with me. I mean, no, I would shower. I will show you photos when I go to Tahiti. I will shower. My hair won't (laughs) be probably in a ponytail the whole time. I might even put makeup on. I mean, there's hope for the hopeless. You know, I, when I look back, I mean, I, you know, I was put together. I mean, I, I, my joke with my brides always is, you know, the internet lies. I said, just like I could post a photo of me at 25, I go, I was pretty hot. I should have really appreciated it, but I go, I'm 51. <laughs> so they, they start laughing. I go, so my job is to help you get through the lies on there. And they're like, I've never had anyone say that. And I'm like, <laughs> I go, but it's true. I go, we can all, they're going to put their best foot forward. We totally get that. And obviously people are going to do that too, because my husband and I were both really hot when we got married. My husband had a ton of hair. He's almost bald. Um, and that's great. And that doesn't stay. I mean, I, now granted, we can spend a lot of money to look like that. I would love that. I mean, I, you know, I <laughs> used to be like, I would never do that. Now I'm like, if someone offered me money to go suck the fat out of my body, I'd be like tomorrow. That's the I main mean, reason I buy lottery tickets. <laughs> 
Okay, I have like I, a laundry <laughs> list of like Botox. Oh, oh, I already do Botox. I got rid of my yeah, butt cracks. Although someone said that this should not be called a butt crack. It should be called eyebrow cleavage. <laughs> so Joseph, you were at this job for quite a while and it sounds like years. you're 12, 12 years. Your, yeah. your job title was in sales, but it sounds like your responsibilities were fairly fluid. So how did you get from that to working at Uniworld? And then what are you doing now? I know that's a two-part question. Um, so the, the Uniworld job came about, it was kind of just one of those things where it was like a friend of a friend knew someone there and they were looking for um, a BDM for Los Angeles. And, you know, I'd been, I'd been with Atlantis for 12 years and at a small company, there's only so far you can go and so much you can do. And, you know, after, after more than a decade, it was kind of ready for a change of scenery and partying on boats in the middle. And I was just like, I'm, I was getting too old for it. I was just like, I was getting to the point where I'm like, I, I can't go. I'm like, I can't go on any cruises. I'd rather just be here in the office. I, I don't want to do all that. I don't want to do all the sit-ups and everything to get ready. And then <laughs> you're like, I could eat, paint those on. I could totally paint yeah, those on. I got not it. eat carbs for six months just for a work trip. So, so yeah, so it ended up kind of falling into place that um, I found out about this position at Uniworld and I became the BDM for Uniworld Boutique River Cruise Collection in Southern California. And that was, even though I'd been in the industry for so long, more than half my life. That was the first time I'd been kind of in the outside sales world of, you know, being on the road and, uh, you know, seeing everyone face to face and not just working with everyone by a phone and email all the time. So that was like a big change and it was really cool. And it was just a whirlwind, you know, I had a big territory and I was just on the road all the time and going to conferences and, you know, like a lot of us were before COVID. And so it was, it was a whirlwind, but it was great. And I got to go to Europe a lot, even though they have river cruising all over the world, you know, Europe is really the heart and soul of river cruising. It's where the vast majority of river cruising takes place. Um, So I got to spend a lot of time in Europe and go there pretty frequently. Like a lot of people in the travel industry, Europe just has like a very special place in my heart, even though I love every place I've ever been. But Europe is just, we all love Europe because Europe has everything in close proximity and like the food and the culture and the fashion and just everything. And so that was great. I got to spend a lot of time there and I, I love being in Europe. And so that was, that was like a really, a really cool um, job. And, and I got to meet face to face, a lot of the people I've been doing business with, you know, virtually for so long. What was your territory? Now I'm trying to remember, I'm getting confused now with what's my territory now it classical what it was then kind of similar except I had San Diego Orange County um all the way up to Fresno and then the state of Hawaii um oh. where with classic now it's not quite it's a little bit more condensed I don't have Orange County and San Diego because that that's Coulter but um you don't have Arizona yeah yeah you don't have Alaska I think Coulter still has Alaska yeah I for, I forget that Coulter has some far-flung places well you know he's got to keep up those people when he doesn't talk to me unbelievable <laughs> unbelievable yes i know i agree it is unbelievable it is <laughs> unbelievable so when i think of river cruising when i go back uh-huh. on this so that people don't know when i think of uniworld i always think of like they they remind me of crystal their rooms are a little bit fancier mm-hmm. they have a little bit more i've I, i've had two families uh, two couples go on uniworld 
Um, what do you think the demographic is for the people that go on Uniworld? Well, river cruising in general has a slightly more mature demographic than I like cruising. that word mature. You yeah. sound like you're very well trained. Not older. <laughs> I'm not older. I'm more mature. Yeah. That makes me better. Yeah. The, so yeah, it's a it's a more mature demographic than you have with ocean cruising. You know, because of course it's a little bit more slow paced. I think it appeals to people who are looking for something a little quieter. That being said, you know, Uniworld within the river cruising world is again one one of the premier luxury brands. Ironically, yeah. along with Crystal, um, Crystal when I worked for them was only ocean cruising, and then five or so years yeah. ago started yeah. delved into the um, the river cruising world as well. So kind of similar concepts. What makes Uniworld unique is that they have a really big focus on having the feeling of being in a floating boutique hotel. Every ship is one of a kind. It's designed specifically around the destination because unlike with ocean cruising, where a ship can be repositioned and be in different parts of the world at different times of the year, a river cruise pretty much, a river ship stays on that river. You know, there's a lot of logistics in getting it to another river. Correct. So that because of that, they can be designed like a boutique hotel where the artwork, the decor, the the textiles, everything can be of that region. Um, so that's something that's really cool about them. And, and one of my other loves besides travel is design. So I thought that was really neat oh. that, that that design was like a big part of that brand. So my question is this, you've told us about a lot of different jobs. I mean, it sounds like you've loved everything, but there has to like, what do you think that people would be surprised? Like when I, I know really nothing about what it's like to be a BDM. Now, Let's say this. People might not know what that is. What what does a BDM stand for? Like a business manager, right? Everyone has uh, a bus- BDM is a business development manager. I mean, it always sounds like it's a it's a something like from like Fifty Shades of Grey. So I'm always yeah. like, how did they come up with this? <laughs> um, so, but when you look at that and you go, I don't know what it's like to go sell that way or have to talk. Like I've always worked from home. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you, what do you think is something that like is so, what were you surprised about or what's so hard, what was hard about your job that you think that you're like, God, that was really hard, which I know is different than what you currently do. Yeah. So this is, this is a great question because I have a lot to say about this. Um, <laughs> of course it's a great to, question. <laughs> we're going to have to edit it because I might go on for 45 minutes. Um, Perfect. So it was, it was an interesting transition for me going from Atlantis, where I worked in the office and everything I did was in the office for the most part to being on the road, you know, so to speak, where I was out visiting all these travel agencies that we partnered with. And I had a large geographic territory. So I was spending so much time in my car. I mean, no exaggeration. There was a a few months, more than more than one, where I drove more than 2000 miles in, in one month. The hardest part about that for me was probably not what it would be for other people. I actually like driving. Sometimes I think in another life, I should have been like a trucker because I really See? just like, I love being on the open road. Like put me on like a freeway for like 600 miles with some music to listen to. I'm okay. Totally, I can see that. I'm totally content. I just, I like looking at the scenery. I like think like seeing all these little towns. Like I find that all fascinating. So that I is actually, the old soul in you. That is. And what kind yeah. of car do you drive? Do you drive a fun car? I, I have a Lexus IS. So yeah, I like it. It's fun. I don't it's even fun. know what that is, but it sounds fun. It's just like a four-door. See, when you drive a minivan like I did for 20 years, you're like, (laughs) fuck this. I hate the freeway. I don't want to hear people screaming and it smells like McDonald's. So you're like, I'll fly anywhere. (laughs) Now I have a BMW and I'm like, okay, I'm not so bad. Yeah. So yeah. So 
Yeah, I enjoy so, so I can totally see that. So driving and showing up, I have to imagine showing up and having people not give a shit that you're showing up. Yeah. So so driving was actually like something I liked about it. The really hard part of it yeah. is that when you're spending all that time driving, you can't answer emails. You're getting yeah. buried in emails, just like all of us do every day with our jobs. So, you know, I'd be going around making sales calls. I really liked the social aspect of it, like meeting people every day and like interacting with them and, you know, telling them about a brand and product that you enjoy talking about and just making friends, you know, you make lots right. of friends with people. And so that was like all, all the pros, but the negative part about it, something I wasn't expecting until I got in the position was that when you do that all day from, you know, like you're on the road at like 7am yeah. and you get on some days you get home at like nine or 10 o'clock at night, depending on how far you had to drive. And then you're like, oh my God, like I have a hundred emails, <laughs> you know, you try so to answer true. a few, you try to yes. answer a few from your phone at Starbucks and in between meetings and stuff. But obviously, you know, you can't do that when you're driving. And so I would get home and then I would just be like answering emails until like 1am and then it would start all over the next day. And so that was like, wow the really, really hard part about it. Um, and I know that like lots of people, people who do field sales, regardless yeah. of what industry yeah. can relate to that. So yeah. that's, what's been very interesting about COVID in the past yeah. year is it really changed the way that we did business. And that's something that culture and I, and our colleagues talk about a lot is that in a lot of ways, we've been able to be so much more productive because we actually can sit and answer an email right away when it comes in, or I can. Oh, wait, you, know, you answer emails right away. <laughs> no, I don't get that. I don't get that. <laughs> Just kidding. Poor he does. He responds really quickly. If yeah. not, I text him and call him. I stalk him. So I will follow him. I will find him and he will not ignore me. So you start your job and the world shuts down. Yeah. And what, what was your, what was your job? So now this is different, this job now, because you guys now, I can never remember your title. I'm sorry. What's your uh, title? SM something? Strategic account manager. S-A-M. Sam. Yeah, Sam. I remember that now because that's my first cat. So you're my strategic account manager. Technically you're not, but let's say you were, and I was bugging you. What would that look like if I am a travel agency and how would you help me? So we're basically your liaison to everything that you need at the company. Um, you know, so it, I think we come in really handy for people who are new, who are just trying yeah. to kind of find their way around a company. We can really introduce you to how we do business, you know, do training, sit down with you, kind of like you're saying what Paul did with you, yeah. you know, even though you were already well-versed in classic, you know, just help you kind of understand how our company is different, how we can partner together to be successful and help you understand the tools that you have at your disposal. And then we're also one of those tools. We're there to assist you in anything that you need. And anytime you maybe are having trouble navigating who to go to for something that you need, you reach out to us and we're kind of your one-stop shop who can get yeah. you pointed in the right direction. So yeah, we're, we're just there to kind of make doing business easier and make it easier for us to both be successful. And I will praise Coulter. He is very good about that. He listens to me, bitch, a lot. It is nice to have that, to have somebody have your back and have someone that might know a little bit more because, you know, like I've sold with Classic for about 20 years and it was kind of my go-to second, maybe third. And then when I met with Paul, it was like, okay, I want to make a change. I was unhappy with other companies I was working with. And then really a lot of this, I mean, culture's really a lot. He, I never forget. He's like, Hey, I just want to introduce myself. And I wrote back an email right away. I'm like, awesome. I'm like, when can we talk? 
Because I was like, I was just ready. And then it was like, God, to have somebody that wants to know about my business and know about how to help me grow my team. And I've, I've said this over and over. I don't need free trips because I win them a lot and I earn them. And But I don't need that. I don't need to be, I, I, I want a plaque, but I don't need one. But I really don't. I don't need, even need accolades. I don't need any of that. What I need is I need to, I want to sell. I want to sell more. I want to know how to sell more. I want to know how to make this work. I want to find the best way to make things work so that I can do a better job. And so I'm like, if you have ideas, if you, he'll help me with like, we were just talking about this new idea for a phone service where I just toss an idea has nothing to do with your guy's company, but he'll be a really good, I tease him and say, he's my CEO or my VP. And I'm like, I'm going to give you a raise. $5, Um, but it is. So it's like, that is, um, and I know he's my friend also. He's a dear friend and I absolutely love his wife, but I think that is that you get that. And that's what one of the things that I think is really good about you guys. When you look at what you need as a business in a sales position or as an owner on my end, we get a lot of BS. We get a lot of people that want our business. We get a lot of stuff like that. And I go, but who's going to be in the test of time? Who's going to stand behind you? There's a lot of great companies out there. I'm not saying there aren't, but I'm like, I need to know that these things get done and I need to know that, that somebody gives a crap about me because I'm the one getting yelled at. We know that you have a travel mishap story that you want to share with us. I'm sure you have many. Yeah. I don't have like some amazing debacle. Um, I have a lot of little things that have happened over the years. I've been detained by the the Brazilian military police. Um, Okay. Stop. How come? (laughs) That already sounds interesting. Okay. Yeah. The, this one was, I guess, was interesting. Um, <laughs> Hello. So, I don't know anyone else that has, so you've already intrigued me. Let me set the let me set the scene here. So, you know, I told you guys that story about how I won that ticket to South America. Um, so I, I went to Rio. I fell in love with it. It was like everything I imagined it would be and more. And so, of course, the next year, I'm like, I'm going back for my birthday. And so I went there for my birthday with a different, very close friend of mine that I'd gone with the year before. And I ended up meeting this guy when I was there, this Brazilian guy, and like fell in love and ended up like dating him long distance for years. <laughs> like, so I was like going back and forth to Rio a lot. Like I've been there seven times now. Um, wow, and so, that's amazing. Yeah, which sadly though, I haven't been there. I mean, this was, a, this was in my twenties. I met him when I was 26, I think a long time ago. So I haven't been, I really need to get back there because I haven't been there in ages. Although my boyfriend says I'm not allowed to go to Brazil because, because Brazilian guys are really cute. Um, so I don't think I'll, I'll be going go with you. I like soon. to look at cute guys. I'll yeah. go with you. I've never been, then although I don't I highly hugs. recommend Brazil. If that, if that <laughs> is your interest, Brazil is a good, and Brazil, whether you like men or women, Brazil's a good place to people watch. I'll say that. Come on, um, let's just look at Gazelle. Isn't that what Brady's wife is? Beautiful people there. So anyway, yeah. so I, I, I went there, I fell in love and I was going back periodically to see him. And I would rent, one time we were there and we rented a car because I wanted to take a side trip to Buzios, which is like a cute, like beachy resort area, like two and a half hours east of Rio. And so one of the things, you know, anyone who's rented a car in Europe probably knows this, but most of the, it may be different now, but you know, this was 15 years ago, you know, there, there, yeah, like everything was a stick and I don't drive a stick. So I had, you need to, cause you could get kidnapped and be taken by a, the guy that kidnaps you to kill you is going to have a stick shift car. Oh yeah. But I I tell my kids, I go, you got to know how to drive stick cause you're going to get kidnapped and then he's going to drive a stick and you're never going to get away. And they're like, thanks mom. You know, 
if if we're kidnapped in the in a few years from now, it's most likely going to be a self driving car anyway, so it doesn't matter. But that is a good point. But not the kidnapper. He probably lived back <laughs> in the eighties. So you get there and you have no clue that it is a stick shift car. That's not the place you want to learn how to drive. So okay, so. I actually, because I'm in the travel industry, I knew this about Brazil. And so I booked an automatic beforehand, but it was insanely expensive because there's probably like 12 automatics. Right. Out of the whole, yeah. (laughs) So I I rented it. It was a Toyota Corolla and it was an automatic. And so it was really funny because I, I get, you know, it's just a, for us as, you know, Americans, a Toyota Corolla is just like a normal budget car that you rent, you know, nothing fancy. And so apparently like when you're driving through rural Brazil, it was a, it was a new one, I guess it was like a nicer one. And it was like, I guess, considered flashy. And oh my gosh, that's hilarious. for this rural area that we were driving through, but, you know, probably not in the city, but we were kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And we ended up getting pulled over. And I said to my boyfriend, I'm like, why are we getting pulled over? I'm not speeding. I'm not like doing anything. Right. It's like the middle of the day. Like, and it was kind of creepy too, because we we're just like in the middle of the jungle. Like there's right. nothing around. And they right. had this like abandoned house on the side of the road that they were using <laughs> as like a makeshift checkpoint or something, I guess. And so oh, I was good. like, you know, like I'm not fluent in Portuguese. Like I only know basic stuff. So I'm like, luckily I have him and he's like speaking to the, the in their military police. Like they have machine guns and everything. Right. right. And, um, and so I'm just like trying to talk to my boyfriend and ask him to translate. He's speaking to them in Portuguese. I'm like, what is happening? And they're like taking all of our luggage out and going through our luggage. And I'm no like, way. what? I'm like, what is going on? Like, is this like a shakedown? Do they want money? Like, you right. know, they're like looking at my laptop, like everything. So anyway, I guess like long story short, they were just, I guess they thought we seemed suspicious because we were two young guys driving what I guess is an expensive car there. Um, oh. And they so were- So you guys were selling drugs. Yeah. Like they, and I think that's why they wanted to go through our luggage and everything. And mm. it was really crazy. And it, I was just like, literally like me and my boyfriend, like in this like abandoned house and they were going through our luggage and stuff. And I was just, it was like, are they going to kill us? Like what's going to happen? Yeah, that would make me very, very nervous. That's hilarious though. Yeah. Wow. A Toyota Corolla. Who would have thought? Yeah. So don't be flashy with your Toyota Corolla there. But in, in retro, I mean, honestly though, like I'm one of those people, like I feel like I'm one of those irrational people. I feel like I get freaked out by like turbulence on an airplane more than like being in front of someone with a machine gun you know what I mean like oh yeah like if there if I had been in like severe turbulence on an airplane that scares me so much more than like being detained by someone with a machine gun with with stuff like that I was like oh this is a fun story to tell my friends oh what to tell them you know what I mean like oh like this is like so so funny you know but like if if I'm on an airplane in bad weather I'm like oh my god we're going down like that's (laughs) so funny that is so not me now, Joseph, I'm really counting on you because somehow Coulter has is beats me and I am very competitive. I don't know if you've gotten that about me. Mm-hmm. I want to be the winner and the star and the plaque holder. And so he gets to ask us questions and you and I get to collaborate together. Okay. And answer. So, so it's okay. okay. So it's- and here's the thing, just so you know, if you are wrong and we don't win, I still love you. Okay. So <laughs> you and I are on a team, Susan. Again, yes. And he's asking us a question and he makes them very hard. So he's a cheater, but that's okay. okay. I still, you know, whatever. That's how Coulter rolls. You know, it's all, it's silent, but deadly. That's how he rolls. <laughs> Look at that smirk on his face. Oh, totally. <laughs> I mess with him. 
you got this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he's looking up harder questions. I know. I yeah. Know. He's <laughs> like, yeah, fuck this. We're going to go, hey. go creamer. What is the capital city of Brazil? Sao Paulo, Rio de Janeiro, or Brasilia? How do, do um, we say, do we rate, what do we do to like, <laughs> You just say whatever you want. And I'll say, oh, I, I concur. Brasilia. I would have not said that. So good. Yes, I concur. Final answer? Yes. Yeah. That's correct. I would have said Rio. See, I'm a dumbass. I would have not known that. Where's Brasilia? It's inland. So it was one of those capitals. Rio used to be the capital. And then they moved to the capital. And Brasilia is actually like a master plan city. And it's very, it was designed, I think it was designed in the 50s. It's very like mid-century modern kind of Jetson looking. And yeah, it was built in the interior of the country to kind of spur development and growth away from the coast. Very cool. Well, I would have gotten that wrong. So thank you. Ding for Susan. <laughs> <Woo-hoo>! <laughs> number two. Number two. Which two South American countries do not share a border with Brazil? Is it A, Venezuela and Colombia? B, Chile and Ecuador? C, Ecuador and Peru? Which two South American countries do not share a border with Brazil? Okay. Um, I know it's Chile. It's, it's Chile and Ecuador. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Chile and Ecuador. Final Cause answer? Ha- yeah, because that's how you get to the Galapagos. That's on the West. Yeah. So 10 countries share their borders with Brazil. Chile and Ecuador are the only two countries in South America that don't. Woo-hoo. Did you hear what Joseph said earlier? He said, bring on the geography. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I'm My impressed was, already. I do. Yeah. Well, I just I love you. I love geography so much. So do I. And then my children are like, I don't know which way is north. And I get so irritated when people are like, you know, when I was going north, and I'm like, oh my god, that's west. <laughs> it drives me nuts. I, I'm like a human compass too. Yeah. I've I am. I know. Kid. So am I. That's so funny. You either have it or you don't. We'll get yeah. in the car when we go to Europe, and my dad will go to my mom. You're not. You're not doing it. Susan is. <laughs> I can get in a subway and be like, yeah, we're going West. Mm-hmm. Dan will be like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm like that I go, too. It is. I go, that's how we're going to win the amazing race. So just know that. Okay. Question number three, bring it on. True or false. Rio is the first South American city to host the Olympic games. True or false. True. Okay. Now wait, wait, wait. Where else would it be? So I think, I think the Olympic Games have only been in Latin America twice. The first was Mexico City and Briz, uh, Rio de Janeiro was the first in South America. Okay, I go with that answer. That sounds really smart. So even Rio de wrong, Janeiro is the first South American city to host the Olympic Games. True. You are so smart. You can play <laughs> trivia with me any day. How many times yeah. has Brazil won the Football World Cup? One, uh, come on. Twice I don't know or about five sports. times. I'm sorry. Once, twice gonna... or five times. Well, it's not one. I mean, it my son had a Brazil flag in his room forever. It has to be five times because I know. Wait, the World Cup we're talking about? Uh, I don't know. I know nothing about sports. I'd go I with five. Know, I like five. I just know Brazil is like, has a, has or my son, my, yeah, team? my son had a flag in his room forever, right? That's black and green and something, right? Yellow. Isn't that Brazil? Brazil has yeah. won the World Cup a record five times. Yes. And is the only team to have played in every tournament. Five's my lucky number. Oh, yeah. Wow. That, like, we're winning. Like, we're, like, killing it. 
Do you have one more question? Coulter, you want to try to stump us? This one is a time? tricky one. I think this one's pretty hard. Which other country has more people of original descent living in Brazil than anywhere else in the world? USA, Italy, or Japan? Okay, can you reiterate that? Try to, I need to follow that Which again. other country has more people of original descent living in Brazil than anywhere else in the world? It's either it's either Italy or Japan. Um, not us. Yeah, oh no, it's not the U.S. I it, there's a lot of Italians in southern South America, more so I think in Argentina. There's a really large Japanese population in Sao Paulo and Santos. Um, he said Brazil, so he says Brazil, right? You said Brazil, not South America. Brazil. Yeah, yeah. I'm just so I'm thinking. Oh yeah, that, yeah. Gotcha. I'm thinking that the answer is Japan. I'm leaning towards Japan. I would have I know, no clue that 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 it would have a large population it's, there. It's either Japan or Italy, but I'm leaning towards Japan. Okay, final answer. Joseph Barney, you have swept the sweepstakes. <laughs> the largest Japanese community outside Japan is actually in Brazil. Wow. Yeah. Five for five on really actually tough trivia. About you are freaking country. amazing. Geography and Brazil trivia. Woo, what a way to end the season with a sweep. <laughs> you are, you can come on anytime. Thank you. You are so smart. That is amazing. That's I, incredible. I have no idea that that I would, I've never, ever guessed that. But what? I know very little about South America because all I know is they have a lot of bugs and I don't like big bugs. I don't like bugs. Well, so I was always in the city when I was there, so I didn't see too many bugs. You guys are, this has been so much fun. We, I yes. cannot believe how far we've come with our podcast. It's been a great, I can't wait till we uh, do it again. And um, you've been a joy to get to know. Seriously, you're welcome anytime. And we are going to try to come out there. I've got to get a, you know, photo shoot in with Coulter. <laughs> I will shower and like blow dry my hair before I do that. I'm not going to look like this on the cover of our podcast. You know, when we make billions, right. I can't look like this, but if I make billions, man, I will have a fucking hairdresser every day. I will have somebody help me have like, like the Unico Essentia spa, like in your house, you know? Oh, fuck it. Hey, well, I won't live here. I, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I like my house, but I, I don't want to live in this, but I want to, I want a smaller home closer to the airport so I can travel. Jamaica. I'm going to send that to you. Jamaica. I can't believe I was going to send that. I'm Great like, time in Jamiaka, y'all. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that it's that, it's that one time. That, that one, one time, time. in Jam- <laughs> Jamasia. That one time in Jamasia. Well, maybe, uh, apparently that one time they were wasted. Yeah, good enough. Good enough. Just send it with a couple of beers. <laughs> They'll be fine. They're booked with classic. There are sandals. There's a sandals wedding. Red stripe, you're good. <laughs> there are sandals wedding. That's hilarious. Backstage Travel Podcast is hosted by Susan Green and Coulter Fleming. Editing, producing, and managing by Mackenzie Green. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Visit our Facebook page and send us your travel stories at info at backstagetravelpodcast.com. Susan and her team at Susan's Travel Services have a passion for what they do and want to get you to your dream destination. They're so dedicated to giving you the experience of a lifetime that they'll help you at no cost. To learn more, find them online at Susan's Travel services.com.